Today is June 30th, and so there is, there is this really uh, neat website where you can, you can go and you can put in a date, and it will give you, all the way back to 1940, the number one songs for this day on Billboard magazine. So I, I, I typed in June 30th, and let me just share some of the, some of the uh, songs that were number one on this day through, throughout history, or at least since 1940. And I, try, I tried to go back as best I could and maybe get something for, for everyone. And uh, Carol, I could not find a list for country and western. So please, uh, I'll, I'll do better next time, but I, I don't have any country songs. Al although this first one kind of is. 1949, the number one hit on June 30th by Vaughn Monroe, Ghost Riders in the Sky. Who, who remembers that in 1940? 1940. Wow, that's cool. All right, 10 years later, 1959, Johnny Horton. Anybody know it? Battle of New Orleans. 1964, the Beach Boys, I Get Around. I was surprised by this one, 1966. I thought by now this, this artist would have been kind of over the hill, and so those of you who are fans, don't get after me later. But in 1966, Frank Sinatra had a number one hit, Strangers in the Night. I hear some, yeah, yeah. 1972, Neil Diamond, Song Sung Blue. 1975, and this, this is really when I began to listen to the radio a little more often, Captain and Tennille, love will keep us together. I, I thought about singing that this morning, but I backed off. 1985, Phil Collins, studio. By the way, he's going to be in concert in Dallas in September. Just throw, might throw that out. 2009, <clears throat> Black Eyed Peas, Boom Boom Pow. Okay, now who's from this era? Anybody? All right, a few. Lori and I actually saw Black Eyed Peas in concert with you two several years ago. I, did, I didn't know who Black Eyed Peas were. And they, they began their little portion of the show with Boom Boom Pow. And I'm like, what is this? You know? And then finally, 2011, Adele, Rolling in the Deep. I, I have to be careful around my two sons, you know, Luke and Taylor. They... If I admit that I like a female artist or a girl band, but I kind of like Adele. She's pretty, she's pretty good. Well, 75 of the Psalms have been assigned to David. And I, I, I think without argument, Psalm 23 is his greatest hit. And in fact, I found a copy of Billboard magazine from Jerusalem that was dated about 1050 B.C. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd was number one. And, and I think it is still on the top 100. I mean, that's how popular this particular psalm is. In fact, Walter Brueggemann says in his little commentary on psalms, it is almost pretentious 
to comment on this psalm. The grip it has on biblical spirituality is deep and genuine. It is such a simple statement that it can bear its own witness without comment. Well, Kyle, let's just stand and sing. I, I, I mean, what Brueggemann says is true. I mean, how, how do you expand on Psalm 23? I mean, what can you say about this psalm that hasn't already been said or even needs to be said? Several years ago, well, it wasn't that long ago, a few years ago, I, I did a little thing on, centered around March Madness, the college basketball tournament. And one spring, I collected uh, from the congregation everybody's favorite New Testament verse, and then we went through a little bracket thing and, and determined the favorite New Testament verse uh, for the Mayfair Church of Christ. And then the next year, we did it in the Old Testament. Psalm 23 was the favorite of the Mayfair Church of Christ in Oklahoma City. And yet, this morning, I, I, want, I, I want to uh, try at least uh, to maybe encourage us and even challenge us from Psalm 23, even, even though in, 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 on one level, maybe everything that could possibly be said about this psalm has already been said. When you look at uh, commentaries uh, on the book of Psalms and you come to what scholars say about uh, Psalm 23, it's, it's really hard to put it into a category. It's, it's not a, a song of lament. It's, it's really not a, a prayer. It's, it's a song of confident trust in the Lord. And, and really, and, and I guess this is why it is so well-loved. It is composed in such a way that it allows for many applications. But, but I would say this. It, it seems like that, that maybe Psalm uh, 23 today has, has somehow been, been restricted to uh, a funeral occasion. I mean, how often do we go to a funeral or memorial service and Psalm 23 is read? And, and rightly so, because it is a, a, a psalm of comfort and a psalm of confident trust in the Lord. And, and it's okay to do that. But, but it's really a psalm, a psalm about living as David expresses this, this tremendous trust in his God and how God uh, provides for him. And so even, even though, you know, we'll continue to read Psalm 23 at, at funerals, let's not forget that it is, is really a psalm for the living. And so this morning, I, I hope uh, to show that that it is, it is about a, a life that is radically focused upon God. Now, 
It, it's always helpful to me when, when I approach a biblical text to try to try to outline it in some way and to try to understand uh, structure a little bit. And uh, I don't know how many secondary sources I looked at in preparation for this uh, sermon, but however many, there were that many outlines and that many suggestions. But it, but it is interesting to me that, that David, there seems to be some intentional uh, structure here. The psalm begins and ends with him using uh, the Lord, God's personal name. And so it, it begins by addressing God with his personal name in the third person, and it ends that way. But, but in the middle, David changes for just a couple of verses and addresses God in, in the second person. And, and, it, and it appears to be very, very personal. And so it begins with, the Lord is my shepherd, uh, verses uh, 1 through uh, 3. And then in verse 4, that, that shepherd metaphor continues, and David says, you. And again, he gets, he gets very personal. And then the metaphor changes just a little bit. You know, we, we normally emphasize God as shepherd from Psalm 23, but when we get to verse 25, the metaphor changes. And it, God moves from a shepherd to hosting this magnificent banquet or feast. And in verse 5, David continues to address God as, as you. It's, it's a very personal address. And then it ends by once again referring to him by his personal name, uh, which the NIV chooses to translate as the Lord in all caps. So this morning... I want us to focus for just a minute on those two metaphors, uh, God as shepherd and God as host. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil. And then the metaphor changes to this, this second uh, person, this, this individual address, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff they comfort me. You, you've heard me uh, mention a couple of times, in almost, I, I celebrate my first anniversary this week, uh, July 1st. And, and so that's, that's kind of cool uh, to think about. But, but you've heard me in the year that I've been here, on, on an occasion or two, mention or refer back to the trip to Israel that Lori and I were able to take in February of 2017. It was a part of my uh, doctor of, of ministry program. And, and one of the, the kind of cool things to, to experience or, or to see kind of firsthand uh, were shepherds practicing their trade. I, I mean firsthand. 
And I've, I've read a lot in, in studying this psalm or uh, studying John 10 that we'll get to at the conclusion of this lesson this morning where Jesus is referred to as uh, a shepherd. And, and I'd read a lot about ancient shepherding. And, and what was true in the time of, of David is still true today in many ways. And, and so it was very interesting as we rode along in, in our buses uh, around uh, the Judean hills to, to see modern-day shepherds still out on the Judean hillsides taking care of their flock. And uh, on one occasion, we were uh, visiting, we were about seven or eight miles south of Jerusalem, and we were visiting one of uh, King Herod's famous palaces that he built. It's called the Herodium. And uh, as we were, were it's, it's built up on this, this huge plateau, uh, seven or eight hundred feet high, and uh, you, could, you could go visit uh, what's left of the Herodium. A lot of archaeological work has been done there. Very fascinating. But then you could walk along this path down a hill to where the parking lot was. And as we were walking down this hill, there was uh, a young shepherd with his flock of probably 15 to 18 sheep just grazing on that, on that hillside. And, and so Lori and I and the rest of our group, we, we stopped just, just to observe. And, and if you approached one of the sheep, you know, you, you would get its attention as it was gra grazing along, but it would, it would retreat to be closer to the shepherd. And he, he, didn't, have, he didn't have a huge uh, rod or staff as this psalm uh, mentions, but he did have a stick it, that he would use to kind of uh, guide the sheep along. And, and probably the, the, the most interesting thing to me, that, that, and we witnessed this not only on, on this occasion where we were, were able to get pretty, pretty close, uh, was how the, the shepherd remained in the midst of the sheep. Now, I'm, I'm sure there are occasions when the shepherd is out in front, probably some occasions when the shepherd is behind. But on this particular afternoon, as he is feeding his flock, he is in the midst of the sheep, just kind of moving along, occasionally patting one on the rump to get it to, to move, uh, very casual-like. But, but being in the midst of the sheep, knowing the sheep and, and understanding the sheep. And so God as shepherd, when we reflect upon verses 1 through 4, and I worked very hard on this, by the way, a shepherd provides, a shepherd protects, a shepherd guides, and a shepherd corrects. That is a Randy John's original right there. And I kind of have this fun with, with my wife. It is not a poem unless it rhymes. It's just, it's, it may be prose. It may be something very beautifully written. But if it doesn't rhyme, it is not a poem in, in my book. Right? But that's what a shepherd does. That's what we witnessed shepherds doing on our trip to Israel. And, it, and it's what God does. 
But, but there's one more important thing to, to remember when we see this, this shepherding metaphor in Scripture. Not, not only do you see, you know, shepherding uh, referred to uh, by, by literal shepherds like, like David, but sh the shepherd metaphor was also used of, of kings and priests and people in positions of, of authority. And, and I think that's important to know and important to understand because uh, God is in control. God is our king as well as our shepherd. God is our Lord. God is our authority, ultimate authority figure that we give our life to and we follow his direction. And, and what, you know, what wonderful blessings of understanding that God provides, he protects, he guides, he corrects us if necessary. And so again, this, this very, very common yet very beautiful and powerful picture of God being our shepherd. But then verses 5 and 6, I, I think we sometimes forget again that the metaphor changes just a little bit or the picture changes and God is no longer shepherd, he is a host. And he's prepared this, this wonderful banquet that he has invited us to. Verse 5, David continues, again, still speaking in second person, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Two or three things about God as host. First of all, there is this, this acknowledgement to us that he knows who we are and he invites us into his presence. He, he recognizes us, David says, in the presence of our enemies. God knows, as Paul says, God knows who his people are. Regardless of where we might be, uh, regardless of who we might be around, God knows us. And he acknowledges us as his people. But not only is there this acknowledgement, but this, this just abundance that David describes here at, at this banquet, at this, at this feast. I mean, I, I kind of look at this as one of those all-you-can-eat kind of buffets. You know, we all, well, most of us, I think, enjoy those kind of buffets. And, and just this, this, this huge feast. And, and that's the picture there that, that David is, is trying to create for us. To know that, that God's blessings, they never run short. He never runs out. It just, just overflows. And then we're always welcome as his people. Um, 
Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Maybe a grandparent or maybe that close friend, you know you are always welcome there. Doesn't matter the time of day. Doesn't doesn't matter... um, What's been going on, it, it really, really doesn't matter if you've made prior arrangements. We're always welcome at God's table. So these two very powerful metaphors again. God as our shepherd, the one we probably talk most about, but then God as host. So as we, as we reflect a little bit on Psalm 23, I want to suggest uh, three things this morning. Uh Oh, it's not working. Kim, I'll let you change it. First of all, God desires a relationship with us. Go back especially to verse 6, where we see David speaking of God as a host. He says, surely your goodness and love will follow me. All the days of my life. Two two things to focus on there. Uh, First of all, the word uh, the NIV translates as love is a very powerful Hebrew word. It's the word hesed. Uh, maybe, Maybe the New Testament Greek comparison would be agape. But I I believe this this Hebrew word is is even a little deeper and a little richer. And it's very difficult to translate into English with just one word. You'll see things like uh, loving kindness or or steadfastness. those, Those ideas. One word study I looked at suggested commitment. And again, that's, that's talking from God's perspective towards his people. That God is committed to us. Uh, another word study suggested loyal love. God is loyal to his people. And he expresses that loyalty. He displays that loyalty because of the love that he uh, showers upon us through blessing us. So a very very powerful word here, a very powerful concept of God wanting to be in a relationship with us and his commitment to us. So you can see why a a translation like steadfastness would certainly apply. God is committed to us. But then this idea of faith, following us. The word follow may not be strong enough. It's more the idea of of pursuing, even the idea of chasing or running after, which illustrates just how much God loves us. Have you thought about that? That that God is, is pursuing us. God is running after us. You know, as I was reflecting upon this, I I thought of of Luke 15, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. 
excuse me, uh, the prodigal son uh, that we normally use. And how when the father sees uh, the, the, the lost son returning, what does he do? He runs to meet him. That, that's the picture David is creating for us with our heavenly father. And so God desires this relationship with us. He loves us. He's committed to us. He is persistently pursuing us. But number two, and, and I, I, I think this, this particular point or, or lesson is certainly applicable in our society today. But the idea of God making us lie down. Don't resist God's rest. I mean, when, when someone asks us, how are we doing? What's, what's one of the typical responses? Staying busy, right? How, how many of us usually respond that way? Well, staying, staying busy. And, and it's almost like if you're not busy, you're not really living, right? And, and if, you're, if you're not just going here and there and, and your life is, is chaotic, it's, it's like you're not living a fulfilled life. And yet David says here that the shepherd makes his sheep lie down. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like his, his parents. Uh, maybe not so much grandparents because... Lori and I have our grandson with us this week, and he's pretty much going to be able to do whatever he wants to do. I hope he's not in here and heard that, but he may not comprehend that. But, and certainly don't want his parents uh, to know that. But, but how often do we have to make our children lie down and take a nap? You know, how often do, do we sometimes just, just tell ourselves, even as adults... The, the to-do list is still full, and yet if we don't slow down and, and physically, mentally rest, what can happen to us? And so don't resist God's rest. God, God himself rested. And Jesus says in Matthew 11, if you're weary, if you're burdened, if you're tired, if you're fatigued, come to me because I will give you rest. So, so don't neglect resting. Don't, don't uh, resist God making you to lie down. It, it's, it's one of the ways he protects us. It's the one of the way he, he feeds us. It's, it's one of the way he, he guides us. Right? And then number three. This psalm should point us to Jesus. Three times in the New Testament, Jesus is referred to as the shepherd. In Hebrews 13 and, and verse 20, the writer there refers to Jesus as the great shepherd. And in the little Greek word there that's translated great is mega. We use that. Jesus is the mega shepherd. I mean, he is the greatest of all. 
First Peter chapter five and verse four in, in a context in which uh, Peter is encouraging the elders among us. He uh, says that, that Jesus is, is their example as chief shepherd, uh, primary shepherd. And just as Jesus shepherds over his flock, elders are to shepherd over uh, their flock their flock. But as I read um, in, our, in our welcome, John chapter 10 is, is probably uh, the most, most well-read or, or best-known passage about Jesus being a shepherd. You, you probably know that seven times in the gospel of John, Jesus says, I am something and here in uh, chapter 10, we find one of those, actually we find we have two uh, of those uh, metaphors, those I am statements. He says, first of all, in verse 7, he is the gate for the sheep. But look at verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd. And, and so this, this picture of, of shepherding is also applied to Jesus. I mean, Jesus assumes that role. And to accept Jesus as your shepherd, to experience the goodness, the abundance, the blessings that David describes in Psalm uh, 23. Uh, Jesus lists three things in John 10. First of all, in verse 14, after making this declaration that I am the good shepherd, he says, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. As, as, we, were, as we were experiencing um, at, at the Herodium in, in February of 2017, and as we were, were taking a lot of pictures and observing up pretty much up close, Right, as, as close as the sheep would allow us and the shepherd uh, to get, it's very interesting that, that we could be speaking and, and talking and, hey, come and get a picture and, and, hey, look how close we are. All of those things never bothered the sheep because they were always within distance of their shepherd. But if that shepherd said something, they would immediately turn and follow because they knew their shepherd's voice. They knew who their shepherd was. Jump down to verse 27. Jesus makes that point. My sheep listen to my voice. You know, one reason, one reason that we need rest today is because we have so many voices screaming at us, right? We have our boss, we have our employer, we have our children, we have uh, just life, just, just kind of screaming at us. And, and yet, it's, it's the voice of Jesus that we must pay ultimate attention to. And so we, we listen, not only for his voice, but to his voice, as he also seeks to guide and protect us. But then finally, uh, verse 27 says, I know them and they follow me. So if we are to claim Jesus as our shepherd, 
then we, we know him, we listen to his voice, and we follow him. And as we uh, studied last fall uh, on the subject of discipleship, and as we were reminded in, in Bible class a couple of weeks ago, the word, the primary word in the New Testament that describes what it means to be a disciple is the word follow. Over and over and over again, Jesus emphasizes following him. And so it's an act of obedience, it's an act of trust, it's, it's a response to the good shepherd. And so this morning as we have reflected upon David's greatest hit, Psalm 23, and, and as we, we've tried to, to kind of paint a picture of, of what it means to have God as our shepherd and God as our host. And, and today, as, as we also are pointed toward Jesus, the question is, are we a part of his flock? And are we, are we listening to his voice? And are we trusting him? And are we seeking to please him in our lives? As, as he lives among us, we're learning that on Wednesday night from Revelation 2 and 3. Jesus is, is in our midst. He knows us. And he's there for us. Are you listening to the voice of the good shepherd this morning? And, and not just the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. If you're subject to his invitation... We're here to encourage, we're here to pray, whatever we might be able to do to assist. Please come while we stand and sing.